This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, this is Dan Parent, artist and writer of Kevin Keller and working for Archie Comics. And you're listening to the two-headed nerd Comcast with Jared and Matt. What's up, kid? Welcome to episode 124 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, July 15th. My name is Matt Baum. That is at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not crying myself to sleep while my friend Joe Patrick gallivants around with all my favorite comic creators, ex-wrestlers, and aging Playboy Playmates in San Diego, I am writing the Comic Speculator blog for Warpoint.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Jared Savitas. And I'm Jared Savitas. That's Wooly Toots, at Wooly Toots, on the Twitter. And when I'm not wearing a bulletproof vest and packing heat because I heard what happened to Dave DeMarco when he guest hosted, I write for THN.com under the handle Wooly Toots and gently steer Matt and Joe's D&D characters to their gruesome deaths as the Dungeon Master for the Kinky Wizards. And to be fair, Dave kind of overstated that story a little bit. He's doing just fine. In this week's episode, <laughs> you'll hear our reviews of Dayman number one and Red Sonia number one after that. We're properly doped up and ready to kick some ass in the final run of the Tour de France while we review ten more new comics during this week's ludicrous speed round. Then... We'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the hypnotic motion of Miley Cyrus's twerking will lift us to a higher state of consciousness yes. and help us learn the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, unlike Joe Patrick and his short little attention span, my man Jared isn't afraid to read a whole graphic novel in three days and then review it when we take a look. It's in a book at Primates, but... Before we grant Eddie Snowden a brief asylum here in the ziggurat, just to rile Rush Limbaugh up a little more and hope that his big fat head explodes, let's take a moment to give the new Jay-Z album two thumbs sideways. I thought it was just kind of whatever, you know? Like, sideways thumbs. It didn't do much for me. And then we can talk about this week's big news! With San Diego being mere miles away from Hollywood, the big news coming out of the con is movie news, and the biggest of the movie news, of course, centers around the big two. You got it. Marvel and DC. DC pounced first with the news of a Batman and Superman movie with Man of Steel actor Harry Lennox, who played General Stanwyck in this summer's Man of Steel film, reading a quote from Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. A quote that suggests that Batman and Superman might not be the best of buddies in the upcoming film. Yeah. Here's the quote from Lennox. I want you to remember, Clark, in all the years to come, in your most private moments, I want you to remember my hand at your throat. I want you to remember the one man who beat you. Oh, so Matt, are we going to see an aging Batman who's wiring his gloves into Gotham's power grid to punch Hank Cavill unconscious? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they can. They can't. They can't. First of all, It'd be so awesome. It'd be totally rad, but they can't (laughs) do that. They've got to reintroduce Batman, and they can't do it as a bad guy. But listen, we can't go through that again. I know. We can't go through a Batman origin story again. And I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to, if they do this and do it successfully, they have to gently sort of slip Batman into the story. We know Uh who he is. Here's here's Batman. Everyone knows. And he can't be introduced as like our new Batman. You know what I mean? It's got to just be like, Batman, he's been around. You know where he came from. Whatever. Yeah. And my guess here is it's going to be the old trope of, hey, we're both heroes, but we don't know each other. Let's fight. Wait a minute. What are we doing fighting when there's this bigger problem we need to tackle? All right. Let's have an uneasy alliance where we become buddies and understand each other. And we both fight off Metallo or whatever, you know, (laughs) like, I don't know. Well, there's always the team up fight, right? Right. They got to got to tussle a bit. Every time. It'd be super great if the entire film was. Batman taking down Superman. Right, basically like the <laughs> Dark Knight in, Returns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They it can't would, do it. Well, yeah. They can't it, do it. It would take some balls. Yeah. But do they got them. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be outdone, Marvel countered the DC movie news with some of their own. Namely, details on the Guardians of the Galaxy film, including Benicio Del Toro as the collector, who I totally forgot about. <laughs> I had to get on. I was like, yeah, wait but, a minute. What was that right crap? Now I'm thinking, who? <laughs> a little more info on Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which that info being, it's going to very closely follow Ed Brubaker's Winter Soldier oh, story. That's pretty nice news. And a title for the next Avengers film slated for summer 2015, Avengers, The Age of Ultron. Now, I'm not the kind of guy to say I told you so, but if you look at a blog I wrote for WorthPoint.com four months ago, you'll see that I totally told you all so. (laughs) 
<laughs> so what do you think, Jared? Are you psyched? And who won the Comic-Con movie news, DC or Marvel? Um, I have to say, right now, I, I'm going with Marvel. I'm going with Marvel, too. I'm going with Marvel on this one, but uh, I'm really super interested in whatever DC's got cooking up. I, I gotta see. I'm, I'm almost, like, morbidly interested. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And they kind of made it sound like when they made the announcement, people screamed and cried. Like, they showed the <laughs> Superman symbol with the Batman symbol, and people were like, Ugh! Well... But then Marvel, when they made their movie announcements, they had like there was a smoke pot that went off and Loki showed up in full Loki armor <laughs> and everybody was just right. like tore their hair out. Hey, you know? <laughs> Anytime Loki shows up. Uh the age of Ultron. I obviously it's gonna be reworked. We knew that Ant Man was coming, and they're obviously they're gonna do the Hank Pym creates Ultron type sure. story. I'm guessing it's going to be sort of a bastardized version of what we just got in the Age of Ultron and the original Ultron story kind of crushed together for the movie, which, you know what? Very cool. Right. Totally yeah. down with that. And listen, who, you know, who beyond the already dedicated fan uh, knows the Ultron story? Right. So, like, they could do anything and it's going to be fine for the general masses oh yeah and i much <laughs> prefer that to like shoehorning in another alien race that we've never yeah, heard of right you know that decides they're gonna come to earth and then with the clap of a hand they'll get sucked away well as long as there's an <laughs> ultron in it yeah then it'll be awesome <laughs> or, yeah i get well i mean come on there has to be <laughs> benicio del toro is the collector that's fine he's great i'm sure he'll be good i i don't have feel nothing for the collector whatever you know like i'm sure he's gonna be a trippy space weirdo yeah, <laughs> you know, like, which is always Benicio del Toro. How they're going to be able to present all this galactic Marvel stuff is yeah, and they showed us some uh, art, interesting to me, some concept art of the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. that looks really cool. Yeah, I, I think it looks better than what I was expecting. I was expecting the whole uh, almost now Pacific Rim yeah. Mass Effect body armor type yeah. of dress, but yeah, man, you've got you know. Uh, who is it? Star Lord in a trench coat. Yeah, and uh, Gamora's kind of in a skimpy Gamora thing. Batista's not wearing a shirt. Yeah, Drax is like blast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I think Rocket looks like a cool little raccoon. Yeah, race. Groot looks really yeah, cool. Man, that looks way great. Yeah, I think they totally won the movie news. Yeah, that's I'm more excited for that stuff. Yeah, and finally, uh, yes, there was in fact comic news i know we got a lot of <laughs> yeah, something happened a lot of comic movies stuff, related but there was some comic news out of comic-con and not only did marvel discuss details of kieran gillen's origin 2 detailing wolvie's early years they showed fans a teaser image of marvel man but they also gave us info on infinity and ultimate cataclysm which could be the end of the ultimate you as we know it so matt teen wolvie thanos whooping ass and galactus eating the ultimate earth could Marvel be any more in charge of their own destiny this, at this time? This all sounds awesome. This all sounds totally awesome. And I like I first when I heard the origin news, I was kind of like, who cares? Because they really didn't do much in origin. It kind of left yeah. me hanging. But maybe that's what they're gonna fix. Maybe they're gonna come in and they're gonna give us the origin that we want to see with a real ending. Sure. Right. You know, I yeah. hope they fix it. And I trust Kieran Gillen, like him a lot. As far as Infinity goes, I'm a lot more excited to see how it ties into hunger and ultimate cataclysm and all this other stuff that it sounds like it's going to lead directly into and ultimate cataclysm this could be the end of the ultimate universe yeah. this could be it yeah like the way they described it as galactus has been shunted to the ultimate you the ultimates know that he's there and the only way that they can deal with him is to kick him back out to the regular universe <laughs> where he will then eat the earth you know <laughs> yeah sure i i really like the idea of it i think galactus going over there and and that universe having to deal with him i think that's actually pretty brilliant and i think and they lose fun. i think that universe isn't ready for sure. something like galactus let's see it I, that I, that would be ex very exciting i think and I, it and, kind of made it sound cool. like miles morales who's ultimate spider-man will end up in the regular Marvel Earth 616 like world. Right. At the end of this. Well, you could argue that they need a Spider-Man, you know? I suppose. Susp superior Spider-Man is not Spider-Man so no, much. But great. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> like, a lot of fun. And I would go from a sales standpoint, Ultimate Spider-Man is the only book that is really succeeding in the Ultimate Universe anymore. I mean, the other Ultimate books sell fine, but certainly not on the scale of Ultimate Spider-Man. And when all is said and done, I'm going to say Ultimate Spider-Man, the only Ultimate book that you need to be reading. It's the book that's always carried that yeah. line. Like, 
from the very beginning. But I'm fine with him getting rid of it. They sure. Make it go away. Yeah. I no longer care about the I'm Ultimate too, Universe. I don't need to put it in under boxes anymore. And what a better way to go. <laughs> Galactus comes and eats it. Yeah. Boom. Cool. <laughs> it's way cool. I love it. Yeah. Of course, that is not all the big news for this week. We'll get to more San Diego stuff next week. But if you'd like to discuss these stories and all the damn convention news you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where Jared is hosting a telethon to keep me alive after I saw pics of Joe Patrick cavorting with Cal Drogo How and, dare he. and Stargate Universe's Robert Carlyle. Oh. That guy is so creepy handsome. <laughs> <laughs> he looks great right. at this year's San Diego Comic Con. I hate you, Jared. Every Friday, Joe Patrick usually posts the question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter. This week, I was forced to do it because Joe is neglecting his podcasting duties. And then we read your responses and play your voice messages on the Answer of the Week audio blog exclusively at TwoHeadedNerd.com. For those of you wondering the difference between an audio blog and a podcast, I have no idea. You can call us on our Skype. Our Skype handle is TwoHeadedNerd, but it rarely works. Or at our Ziggurat direct line, 402-819-4894, where you can leave us a message. Jared, what did we ask these nerds this week? What did you think was the biggest slash best news to come out of this year's San Diego Comic-Con? If you want to hear your answers along with our own, go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and check out the Answer of the Week audio blog this week. Later on this week. Probably oh. Tuesday. We'll yes. See. I was on the last one. Yeah. Did you guys listen? You right there. Come on. We three-headed it. It was great. It was the three-head. It is review time on THN where Jared and I read two of this week's new comics and decide whether or not they should be vanquished to the bankrupt wastes of the nightmare that is Detroit. Jared, what did you read this week? I like to picture Detroit like... John Carpenter's New York and Escape from New York. The day they filed for bankruptcy, it was like all hell broke loose. Yeah. <laughs> I read Red Sonja number one by Dynamite. It's written by Gail Simone and the art by Walter Giovanni. Here's your solicit. This is it! Red Sonja gets a fresh new attitude by the dream team of Gail Simone of Bad Girl and Birds, Birds of Prey fame. Right on. And artist Walter Giovanni of Prophecy and Witchblade. On the book, they were born to create. Sonia pays back a blood debt owed to the one man who has gained her respect, even if it means leading a doomed army to their certain deaths. This thrilling new series features covers by the top female artists in the industry, including Nicola Scott, Colleen Duran, Jenny Frisson. Is that how it says? I think it's Frisson. Frisson. I met her at C2E2. She's a cutie. Fiona Staples, Amanda Connor, and more. You do not want to miss this reintroduction to the she-devil with a sword. I love that Like some of the comic world's premier female artists drawing the cover, and the art inside is by a dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who drew it before? <laughs> All right. Uh, so, okay, in the book, we are introduced to Sonya through a flashback as she is rescued from the hellish dungeon of a Zamoran king. Now, her rescuer is another king, one King Demath, who, flash forward three turns of season, is now under siege himself from the Zamorans, while simultaneously... Battling the plague, spreading through the kingdom, is now under siege himself from the Zamorans, while simultaneously battling the plague, spreading through his kingdom, which... I think it's just killing dudes, right? Well, maybe. Maybe that's it. We need to revisit it. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. But, see, this plague is also brought by the Zamorans' butt buddies, these beasts <laughs> of the sea, which are, show up at the end. It's, it's odd. Like crab claw dudes, squid dudes, yeah, man, you know. Those damn Zamorans. Sea beasts. Come on. So what's a king to do? All right, so he sends for Sonya, who owes him one. Sonya has a week to train every able-bodied person into a fighting machine to defend their homes or to die trying. Army of Darkness style. Oh, man. Now, okay, man, truth to be told, I, I, I wasn't really looking forward to this book. Of course, I was interested. I've been a fan of Sonia since uh, I bought her the first book I bought of hers in 1983. So, um, my childhood friends they were always reading Daredevil, Spider Man, but I was reading like Conan and Cole and Sonia. So I grew up with this character. Uh, I also did read Dynamite's 2005 Red Sonia series for about 50 plus issues. Seriously? Yes, I did, man. <laughs> and I'm one of those dudes like, oh. Oh, issue 24 has gotten an Arthur Adams cover, a Frank Cho cover, and a Jim Lee cover. Guess I got to buy them all. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah. They've got you. They have firmly. Me. So I, was, I wrote it for a long time, but um, 
the book never hit that sweet spot that I always got from those like 1975 and the 1980s Sonya books. So I dropped away from the book. Uh, Another reason was they used to go from this format where they had like a rotating artist and uh, towards the 40s, maybe mid 40s, they stuck with a single artist, which just happens to be Walter Giovanni. Yeah, he's been doing this for a while. Yeah. I didn't even realize it. And so anyways, his artwork... Uh, I didn't really strike a chord with me either, so I was like, all right, I'm not digging the story, not digging the art, I'm out. So, now, they're coming back here saying, this is the dream team, right? Right. Now, Giovanni, we've established I didn't really get into him, and now it's Gail Simone is the writer, and I'm not going to make any fans by saying this, but she's not a really big draw for me. And so, the chance of me re-liking this is already low. But, man... Going into the open mind. I love Red Sonia. Okay. Let's do this. All right. So, anyways, this version of Sonia, which they do say is inspired by Howard's, I feel it is straight up Roy Thomas's Sonia. Yeah. You know, because I saw other people say that on the web too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's it's Roy Thomas's Sonia. When he brought her into Conan's world, uh, you know, he made her this chainmail wearing chick. That's another question I have, man. Right. So she's running around straight up in Robert E. Howard's world seems like it right? i mean it's all the same countries yeah, it's all the same countries same cultures and she, peoples yeah and you know what i mean and then dark horse has it as well so i don't understand how a company juggles the same property I think almost. it's like it's in the realm of public domain a little bit so sure. and dynamite's been known to just grab stuff they thought were in they thought was in public domain and yeah. run with it until someone goes stop doing that the, <laughs> i guess the only thing i didn't check to see is if it has any sort of a, approval or support from the Robert E. Howard estate. Yeah, I, I don't think that, it does. Yeah, Here, I feel that Gail Simone's writing, it, it felt kind of formulaic and a little bit uninspired to me. It seemed like she was just trying extra hard to prove that Sonya is a badass chick. Man, look at this. She's a strong female character. Let's put her immediately into a great position of power and influence. And she's the only hope for a kingdom-sized threat. I kind of felt a good way to reintroduce a character would maybe try to do these smaller type of adventure intros, make it an adventurer type of thing. Right, but, right, right. But no, man, general and an army. Boom, here we go. Yeah, it kind of seemed to me like they build it as a re- as like a reintroduction to the character, but they really just flung you right into the world of Red Sonia. Like yeah. as me, who I don't read any Red Sonia. Sure. I was sort of dumped into this, and I, I liked it. I thought it was well done. I thought it was well written. But yeah, there, there was no reintroduction going on here. No, other than no. the flashback thing in the beginning where she gets rescued by King DMF as she's yeah. like rotting in the dungeon. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, I don't need her origin. You can give it to us a little later on and however you want to present it to us. Sure. You know, she's probably got a plan. And there's something to be said for hitting the ground running, you know? Sure. Yeah. And, and back here's Giovanni, whose artwork has improved since the last time I looked at it, which was like in 2009. He looked really good here. He you know? definitely looked good. A uh, little stiff, but good. Yeah, but the book just kind of left me empty. And, uh, you know, being a huge sword and sorcery fan, any book in that genre has got to do a little bit of extra work to impress me. But I will give this book another issue, too, because of my love for Sonya, the character. And uh, to me, that equates to a skimmit. That's fair. That's totally fair. I, like I said, I don't pay any attention to Red Sonia and never really have. I only was excited for this because of Gail Simone's name. Sure. Because I really do like her. I do think it's a little silly that we get this Gail Simone book with, like you said, Giovanni drawing it, who has been drawing it, and kind of takes away from the feeling of reintroduction again. Yeah. If they're going for what Dark Horse was going for with their new Conan series by yeah. Brian Wood, which totally reintroduced the character... Gave us a whole different look at him while holding on to all the stuff that we know and love about Conan. Exactly. They dropped the ball there. And they made an announcement this week that there's going to be another Red Sonja book coming uh, with an all-female crew of creators. Like, why didn't you just do that? Right. You've got Gail Simone yeah. already. Why didn't you just let her handpick who she wants yeah. to work with? I'm pretty sure she knows a bunch of artists sure. that she'd like to work with instead of doing this. You yeah. know, I, I, and that's not to say I didn't like this. I liked it. I liked it just fine. I thought this is probably the best Red Sonja comic I've ever read that, coming from a guy who has read barely any Red Sonja stuff. Yeah. Normally, we just make fun of this book on this show. <laughs> I'm also giving it a skim it because I think they shot themselves in the foot by not sticking more, like I said, with that Dark Horse Conan feel by completely reintroducing it and giving it. Just give us the all-girl book with Gail Simone. Yeah. It, they kind of 
lost some of its own steam in not doing that. Yeah. So skim it for me as well. Sorry, Sonia. Whatever. You still look good in your chain mail. Yeah. She, I mean, she was still, and they, I like that they made fun of her a little bit. Like, <laughs> they're like, oh, great busty princess, you know, of the sword, yeah. you know. Yes. Like, it was fun. Yep. All right, Matt. So what did you read? This week, I read Daymen, number one from Boom. This is written by Matt Gagnon? I think so. I'm going to go with Gagnon and Michael Allen Nelson, writing team with art by Brian Stelfries. I call him Steelfries. Steelfries. Way tougher. Here's your solicit. For thousands of years, the world has been controlled by 50 families. A secret network of vampire covens engaged in a timeless struggle for power. But when the sun rises, the vampires are forced to employ the services of a human who acts as their daytime fixer and protector. Trained for centuries to be the mortal soldiers of their vampire employers, the daymen go forth at sunrise alone into the world to do the bidding of their sleeping benefactors. Now, there is no shortage of vampire comics out there. (laughs) And because of this, I think we as readers need to be extra vigilant when deciding whether or not we're going to spend money on a vamp comic. The good news for Damon is it's got a rad premise. It's a vampire comic, very much so, but our main character, like it says, not a vampire. Ganyan, who also wrote the recent Freelancers comic for Boom which Joe Patrick gave a skimmit on the show, sets up a very interesting human character that not only knows his bosses are evil, but also that they're definitely not human. Yes. He is not a bad guy. I think he's just more of a businessman, and this is his job. <laughs> right. And he understands that the vampires pretty much control society. Like, from what it sounds like, the 50 yes. families are running the world. And I love that conspiratorial vampire yeah. crap. That is so Yeah, it's, it's a really great setup. Yeah, it's like we're just cattle going about our lives, mm-hmm. and they're running everything in the, sh- in the shadows. And so he's definitely a little conflicted with some of the stuff he has to, do, has to do. Like, through his narration, you see him basically running errands and cleaning up messes. And he's a little conflicted with things, but I think he also understands that it's better to be where he is in the know taking care of stuff than to just be another one of the sheep that could get your head ripped off yes, at any time. Or, yeah, which they, they call them toys. Yeah. Some of them. <laughs> David Reed, who is our hero, he's not only capable, but dutiful to his vampire family. And it was really interesting to see what a human employee has to do during the day while his masters sleep. Ganyan and Nelson do a great job developing Reed as a young day man, proving himself here cleaning up after irresponsible vampires and how he can be a very valuable asset when two ruling vampire families look like they're going to go to war. I love Stelfreeze's art, and it's been a long time since we've seen him. I think since like 2005. Something like that. I've got a Gun Candy comic oh, 2006. I loved Gun Candy. It was yeah. so good. Yeah. But he's back with his hard-lined, angular art, but he's still really, really good with his motion and his action. He returned with everything that I remembered and a little more. His art here is perfect to create the creepy world of this vampire conspiracy. And he's just showing off here, giving us great fight scenes, a ton of motion, really good action. And I love him. I'm glad to have him back. Glad he hasn't missed a step. A lot of these guys disappear. They come back and they're only half the artists they used to be. I'm not going to name names. But Joe Madurevi Joe Madu- is definitely one of them. <laughs> oh, oh, poor Joe, man. Ultimately, I love the take on vampires that this comic is exploring, and there seems to be unlimited stories that they can keep me coming back for more here. I love the idea of the vampire conspiracy. I love Steel Freeze's art, and I love the twist here. Buy this. I have to agree with you. Steel Freeze was the reason I picked up the book. I will pick up any book that guy draws. I agree. He's amazing, and you're correct. Like his motion scenes are just—they're so fluid, and they're great to. It's just great work. Yeah, guys like Cully Hamner, very yeah, like heavily influenced yeah. by Stelfreeze. They were—they were all part of a like they all had like a studio, Gaijin Studios, something like that, a right? while ago in the '90s. Right? Yeah, with like Jason Pearson and stuff. Yeah. Now I'm not familiar with Matt Gagnon's work. I, Does that what we say Gagnon's that we're saying him? Gagnon. I'm going to go with Gagnon. 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 <laughs> Sounds like a great I am Gagnon. monster from <laughs> old comics. And you will perish. Yes. <laughs> um, but I really did enjoy Michael, and Michael Allen Nelson's Valen the Outcast. 
I liked that book. Oh, it's, that's it surprised what he wrote. Me. Yeah. Like, it, I just kind of picked it up because people were like, you you will like this. Zombie Conan. Yeah. And I was like, ah, maybe. And I loved it. It was good. It was really good. I, yeah. A lot of it had to do with Matteo Scalero, but... Yeah, that guy's uh, fantastic. Yeah, that guy's fun, too. And uh, I felt it was refreshing to see, like, humans that are working for the vampires. You know, they're not, like, mindless slaves right you know, like which you get presented to with a lot of like right or sex toys yeah. like we see in true blood yeah, yeah, or something yeah. you know yeah and just the way they reveal this the world to you slowly through the story really drew me in through and, really good narration yeah. too like gentle yeah. narration that develops the story without like a page and a half of it is the year 2013 yes and vampires are right. like they just sort of let it unfold yeah, man this is the way it is and that opening scene with a vampire that what a bounty not even a bounty hunter but he was like a poacher of his own kind the guy that he kills yeah. on the ship yeah to man. like sell fangs and stuff oh and man like, cool it, there's so many like, cool so levels many, yeah and there's yeah. like little weird little reveals like you're like what was in that box you open up that box yeah. no idea what was in that box not important what anyways they, what do they call that a, a red herring <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> right so yeah i'm in full on i give it a buy it yeah Bam. good times here all right, look at us. We're best of buddies. Already. More so than Batman and Superman. I'll and, tell you what. And so that's a, a double skim it for Red Sonya number one, and a double buy it for Damon number We're ones. already in each other's heads. Yes, of course. We want to know what you, busty barbarians and slaves of the undead, thought of these comics. So tell us about the garbage your vampy masters have you burying, and what you thought of these comics at the comments section for this episode at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Now that Joe's gone, we can ditch the soft drugs and get into some serious performance-enhancing sh- like Red Ramrod Nuke, as made popular by the Detroit Street Tufts in RoboCop. So now, join Jared, myself, and Peter Weller on our three-man tandem bicycle as we pull into the final stretch of the Tour de France and not only win this sucker again, but review ten new comics for this week's Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Batman 66, number one, print version. Joe was right. This is a ton of fun, and the art by Jonathan Case is perfect to capture the feel of the 1960s Batman TV show. Very kind of Mike Alred cartoony stuff. Looks excellent. Writer Jeff Parker has a dialogue and ridiculous action down perfectly. I unexpectedly really like this, but I can't tell you to go buy it for $3.99 when you can read it for $0.99 cents digitally. Great stuff, but only a skim it due to price only. A plus X, number 10 from Marvel. I dig a good team-up book, especially when it features a rotating series of creators and characters. This feature features two team-ups that aren't really team-ups. More like the characters using each other to accomplish goals, which is, which is not very team-like yeah, at all. Not, that's, that's not, not a team-up. Like, like this. <laughs> Adam Warren of Empowered Fame is what attracted me to this issue. When was the last time that guy drew a property that wasn't his own? I can't remember. But anyways, years. The book is fun, but nothing earth-shattering. Skim it. Number cruncher number one by Titan. Titan is a new comic company that has really come out of the gate strong with some very cool titles. This one is writer Simon Spurrier, the guy who gave us Higher Earth, and he's currently writing X-Men Legacy that I think no one is reading. Here he gives us a story that I thought reminded me of Doctor Who meets Dead Like Me. God is an accountant measuring out and balancing universal books with the help from his leg breaker, a big British Vinnie Jones looking guy named Bastard Zane. Ah. It's a very high concept book that doesn't get lost in its premise. It was a ton of fun to read. It was snarky. It was funny. It was creative. Great art by Jordi Belair, who I think was just a colorist for this point. And I love it when colorists and inkers step up and take the reins and show those artists that they can do it too. Yeah. His style very much reminds me of Kevin O'Neill from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen fame. I'm saying buy this. Great stuff. Batman and Catwoman, number 22 from DC. Did I mention that I did team up books? You did. All right, well, with Robin dead, Batman continues to share this book with whomever isn't busy that month. I typically enjoy a good Batman and Catwoman romp, but not so much this time. Okay. It didn't offer anything new to the relationship. Mm. Uh, uh, it's the same stuff you've seen before. Batman weeps over Damien. He gruffs at Catwoman and Pennyworth. He gets played by Catwoman, but then at the end, oh, he's all smiles. Uh, I might be being too harsh, but leave it. Wow. That is hard. The Mysterious Strangers 1 and 2 Oni Press. I have no idea why both number 1 and number 2 came out this week, but I was super happy they did because as soon as I was done with number 1, 
I wanted to read number two. This was fun, 60s-flavored spy romp written by Chris Roberson with excellent art by Scott Cowlchuck. Fans of Mike Alred's Mad Men take notice. The strangers are a group of specialists with different powers that seem to come from their hands, and when their gloves come off, bad happens. The mysterious strangers are hot on the trail of the eagle organization, a cult, and that's O period, C period, C period, U period, L period, T. So it stands for something ridiculous. And villains like Madame Fury, who seems to be a super strong beehive proper like, 60s babe. And uh, what's the other one? Um, Miss Sticks. Miss Sticks. Yeah, yeah, Miss Sticks, who like wears a skull face and raves beauty pageants. <laughs> it's so great. This was great. And I only wish DC would give a creative team like these guys a Challengers of the Unknown book or Doom Patrol title and just let them go nuts. Regardless, I'm happy to see Roberson at Oni Press doing whatever the heck he wants. Buy this. Conan the Barbarian, number 18, from Dark Horse. Conan and Billy continue to trip their balls off on the Yellow Lotus <laughs> as our barbarian sees into a possible future family life with the Queen of the Black Coast. Brian Wood wrote a Northlanders arc featuring Hallucinogens 2. Wood must like drugs and swords. Uh, I can dig it. Who doesn't like drugs and swords? Uh, David Gaia Felice? Gaia Felice? No idea. I Sure. <laughs> I like the guy, but he, he wraps up his art duties with this issue. And just as with Sven and Northlanders, draws Conan with an incredible monster beard. It's beautiful stuff. Wood is definitely leaving a mark on this character. Buy it. Blood Brothers number one, Dark Horse. I'm calling this the breakout vampire buddy comic of the year. This three-issue miniseries follows two vampire bros. And when I say bros, it's like street bros. You know, like one black, one white. They're not really There's a lot of bros today. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've partied their way through history, and they sort of have accidentally stumbled upon a plot by a madman to end human society, which would be a brutal bummer. Very funny dialogue. Really solid art. It was a good week to be a vampire comic, I guess. Buy it. Fun stuff. Five Color Comics number one from Art of Fiction. This oversized square-bound anthology book features art by some of the greatest names in both comics and animation. Each contributor draws only one panel of the stories, yet it doesn't disrupt the flow. Some of the stories are a little flat and uninteresting, but most of the pages are printed using only five ink colors, which gives it an overall pulpy feel. That's fun. Yes. Within these pages, you will find pirates, zombies, Nazis, jungle girls, and a giant albino ape. It's an interesting piece of work. Skim it! Oh, okay. See, like you got me all excited, and then we're skimming it. <laughs> Skim it. <laughs> Dinosaurs attack number one, ID Dubs. IDW wants more of that sweet vintage tops trading card money. But this time, it's dinosaurs attacking instead of Martians. I should mention, this is an old comic. Herb Trimpey did this back in the 70s. I think it was yeah. kind of forgotten. We never really saw it again. And sadly, we don't really need to revisit it. It's just not great. The card's really cool. The picture's are really neat. And maybe you could have fleshed out a new story to tell here. That would be fun. Wouldn't surprise me if we did get a new Dinosaurs Attack story real soon here. John McRae loves writing this stuff and did a good job with Mars Attacks. Regardless, props to IDW for digging this out. And the cards were cool back in the day. But the story here isn't great. Skim it. The Invincible Haggard West, number 101 from first second. You just made dinosaurs cry with that skim it. I know, right? I mean, you would think dinosaurs attacking? Come on. <laughs> All right. Invincible Haggard West, Paul Pope brings you a sneak peek of his new book, debuting later this year by way of this final issue of a fake ongoing series titled The Death of Haggard West. It features Haggard, a hero who's part rocketeer, part Batman. Uh, he's battling his nemesis, Sadisto. I love that. Yeah, and he's got this crew <laughs> of cowled, mummy-like freaks. The tile does not lie, and Haggard West does die. I'm not sure what Pope is setting up here, but I need more. I'm totally on board. It's a huge buy it. Cool. Creak! That is your ludicrous speed round, and creak is the sound of Sandoval, the mysterious stranger's strong arm, falling into an ancient cavern full of secrets, as seen in this week's Mysterious Strangers, number one. While surfing the web this week, I came across what can only be described as a phenomenon. Or perhaps, a coded message hidden in the bouncing butt of Miley Cyrus as she's twerked on stage with Juicy J. It was a whole thing. TMZ oh. freaked out. Oh, So join us now in the Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're nibbling on psychotropic... Oh, wait a minute. It's a yellow lotus. <laughs> We're a little messed up, yeah. as you can tell. Oh, it's already kicking in. 
for uh these uh yeah we got this yellow lotus from the man things nether regions oh yeah and it burns our mouth as we watch the hypnotic movements of miley's white butt and discover the secrets of next week's comics matt what are you excited for next week as you know Anything that knows fear burns oh, at the touch of Miley Cyrus's butt. That my tongue <laughs> burns. My pick for next week is Hunger, number one, from Marvel Comics. One is written by Joshua Hale Fielkov, with art by Leonard Kirk, who I love. Oh yeah, Captain Britain. This is the fallout from the Age of Ultron when we saw Galactus get ripped into the Ultimate Universe. I have to know what's going on here. <laughs> and if it's going to lead to the death of the Ultimate You, like we described, that that is pretty cool. I'm excited for this one. All the details will be revealed here when Age of Ultron 10 hits stands. That already happened. Come on, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, what are you excited for next week? My pick for next week is Rocketeer Spirit Pulp Friction Number 1, a four-issue series written by Mark Wade, drawn by Ma- uh, Paul Smith, covers by Darwin Cook and Jay Bone. Right there. What a wonderful artistic crew there was a while there that i thought maybe darwin <laughs> cook and jabone were the same person jabone <laughs> this is great i think that you've got two classic characters that are both really fun i do enjoy the rocketeer more than spirit uh and they are both well known for having uh femme fatales in their lives and uh they always get in fights with their ladies and i think there's going to be a, not just a crossover yeah, those girls of, got attitudes man they do man there's and you, they're going to cross over, and the gals are going to cross over. Who knows what kind of hijinks is going to be and in this? Mark series. Wade has got a rad hold on the Rocketeer. Like he's doing a great job. I've been job enjoying it. Book. Yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, pick of the week. Boom. The THN trade of the week for next week is Camelot Three Thousand, written by Mike W. Barr, with art by Brian Boland and friends. DC is bringing this one back into print. This is one of those books that I, I've seen at the top of some of my favorite creators, mm. like best graphic novels of all time, but I've never read. This is my chance to pick it up, give it a read. You might even take a look. It's in a book for next month. Oh, man. Here is your solicit. The classic tale that exploded into comic shops in the early 1980s is back in a new trade paperback collecting the entire 12-issue maxi-series featuring a cover by acclaimed artist Brian Boland. This collection of the mythical tale of honor and bravery includes preliminary artwork by Boland and developmental material from Mike W. Barr. Exclamation point. Really hard to uh, get that excited about preliminary artwork and <laughs> developmental material. <laughs> but you put that exclamation point in there. Man, does it sound cool. Come on, man. This is behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to call it a shot. We are going to read this one next month for Take a Look. It's in a book to force Joe Patrick and I to read it. Of course. We want to know what you're looking forward to next week. So be sure to tell us which white girl's butt does it for you and what you'll be reading next week over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash two-headed nerd. That's a forward slash. Oh, it's a forward slash. forward slash. (laughs) It's that time of the month again where Jared and I get a little bitchier than normal. We eat a bunch of fried food and then curl up with a graphic novel as we take a look. It's in a book. This month. We read Primates, The Fearless Science of Jane Goodall, Diane Fossey, and Birute Galdikas. I hope I'm saying that right. This one is written by Jim Ottaviani. Man. Yeah. Art by Maris Wicks. That's an easy one. I like that. Here's your solicit. Jim Ottaviani returns with an action-packed account of the three greatest primatologists of the last century, Jane Goodall, Diane Fossey, and Birute Galdicas? Gal- yeah. Galdicas. Galdicas. a strong name. These three groundbreaking researchers were all students of the great Louis Leakey. Or is it Louis? It's Louis Leakey, right? I think it's Louis. It's Louis. Louis Leakey. And each, and each made profound contributions to primatology and to our own understanding of ourselves. Tackling Goodall, Fossey, and Galdicas in turn and covering the highlights of their respective careers... Primates is an accessible, entertaining, and informative look at the field of primatology and at the lives of three of the most remarkable women, scientists of the 20th century. Thanks to the charming and inviting illustrations by Maris Wicks, this is a nonfiction graphic novel with broad appeal. Now, I didn't know it. Jim Ottaviani... He, I've seen his name kicked around uh-huh. around Eisner time every year because he is uh, like very talented writing, and he's written several comics about scientists. He wrote one about Richard Feynman. Sure. He wrote uh, 
Dignifying Science way back in 1999, which like discussed a lot of different scientists. This is what this guy does. And he's really, really good at it. I mean, like the story of any one of these three women could be a thousand page graphic. Yes. You know, wildly realistically illustrated. But I really like the choice of Maris Wicks, who kind of has it's this cartoony, very cartoony. It's a very look to what she does. Almost very charming. Yeah. Very, you know, yes. Reminded me a little bit of like Art Balthazar, a little bit of James Kolchaka, his stuff. Sure. Yeah. And it made the story, while it was still very informative and very serious and important because of what they're doing, it also made it very cute and fun. And man, the way this she draws like baby orangutans, yeah. I want one so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, just yeah. to hang on yeah. my back and crawl around. Yeah. All the, the, it was a really beautiful book, yes. I think the artwork was beautiful. There was a couple times it really shined for me. Like there's one point where... Diane Fossey gets led into the jungle for the first time, and uh, she has not seen the gorillas, but you always hear the gorillas first before you see them. And like the sound effects that the gorillas are making just is all over it. Like it's all out of the panels. Yeah, it's like hoot. It's thump. over. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, over the entire roar, page. You know? And and she says, you know, something about how your mind cannot prepare yourself for the onslaught. And I thought it did a really great job yeah. of conveying that. It was really cool. And like every every part where um, each one of the women have like this moment with the um, ape that they are studying where they're like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing this for the first time. Yeah, like this moment of discovery. Yeah, and the way it's done in the book, you know, most of it through the artwork, and it just tells you, you just can just see how it happens. It's just beautifully done. Yeah, and like... For a story told about three different women from their point of view, it never really gets confusing as to who's talking. He does a really good job of giving everyone their own kind of personality. Yes. And when they do bump into each other, which I'm embarrassed to admit, I did not know that Jane Goodall, Diane Fossey, and Berute Galdicas, I didn't know they all knew each other. Right. And I didn't know this Louis Leakey guy. Yeah. I had no idea that he brought them all together. And so, like, I, I was aware that these researchers did this work with primates. Yes. I didn't know they were all tied to each other. I had no clue. Right, right, right. And it was really cool to see that. But what I'm saying is, when they do bump into each other, the narration continues, but it's slightly different. Like, Jane Goodall has this very clean, like, Times New yes. Roman sort of script. Yeah, they almost script. have, like, their own font, right. each one. And then Diane Fossey is a little looser, and it's almost like a cartoon kind of script. And Berute Galdicas is like this messy cursive yes you know and it works really well for each of their personalities jane goodall was quiet reserved scientific in her study diane fossey a little looser you know but very excited about what she's doing baruti galdicas was a wild woman yeah she like took her shoes off (laughs) and marched into the jungle and got sick and didn't care you know (laughs) it was like and her hair got all matted and gross you know like it was so well done and I mean, the book read really fast. It's only like 120, 130 yeah, pages. Yeah, I couldn't put it down. Like, I just went through it in I, one go. I burned through it, but at the same time, I felt like I learned so much about these characters. And he just does a really nice job showing us how Louis Leakey, who was the uh, anthropologist that got all these yeah. women to do this, describes about how he thinks women are better for this kind of field research because they're more patient and the apes respond to them better and so on and so forth. And they do a really nice job of sort of showing us a transformation that each woman goes through where she's a little uncomfortable at first and it kind of sucks. And then they just kind of become one with their surroundings and yeah. lose themselves in it. And when they so much so that when they come back to England, they hate it. Yeah. They're like, uh, this I've, sucks, man. I felt it did a great job of like showing, like you got the feeling that these women, uh, when they were in civilization, they were not in their natural element. Yeah, like their natural element was in the jungle. They went native. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, and I, I thought that was great. You really got that feeling of awkwardness when they came back to civilization. And the book, you know, like when I, I fell in love with it within the first two pages. Yeah, and um, I got the feeling that I, I was at first I was like, well, this would be a great book for children, but there's a couple like adult almost seemingly issues that kind of come up where I'm like, well, that'd be lost on a kid. <laughs> yeah. Like where there's almost this, uh, I don't know the real story behind these people, but uh, there's almost a thing where like Louis Leakey was 
cute hit hitting on these gals kind of you know like kind of like right? almost a creepy uncle on these yeah, gals. yeah and his wife is a is in the book too and she's like making these comments like oh here we go again and yeah and like louis leakey like touches one of their hands at one point and it kind of creeps out the husband of the, of i think it's by Rute. yeah 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 and, and she was the only one that was married yeah and so i'm like well you know if you got a little kid reading this and if they happen to pick up on that they're gonna be like put what's my mommy what's yeah. this question <laughs> well i mean i don't know that the kid is four <laughs> well, I, I know, <laughs> but i'm just saying you're like oh well now i gotta yeah, talk there about was some adult stuff like some ad- barute like, got like a really bad like maybe yeast infection or I, diaper rash she or got something? something from sitting on a log and it <laughs> yeah. wasn't pretty with her wet husband pants called on, it you know? like a it looks like a burnt uh marshmallow he's like your butt looks like a burnt marshmallow <laughs> oh i can only guess it's just really bad diaper rash and then and then when it, there is even a point where the the ladies talk about um the two other girls are talking about Diane Fossey and uh I don't know if you've seen Gorillas in the Mist the movie with uh Ripley from Aliens but uh, she kind of had this split personality yeah. where she was all about the conservation and you know everything but then she would go bonkers on poachers yeah she was militantly like politically active and like wanted to kill poachers yeah like they should get the death penalty they should be hung and she was way more politically active than the either than the other two who were just sort of studying and i will say i did think the book fell down a little bit and the fact that like diane fossey gets ultimately got murdered yeah by poachers and they just sort of glanced over it i don't know if they glanced over it because this was more about their work not so much their death or the politics behind it. And they did a really good job of establishing Fosse's politics. Yes. But they just didn't really touch on her death at all, which I thought was kind of odd. Yeah, they kind of did glance over it. You Not know? that it... I guess her death really doesn't have anything to do with her work and what she did. It's tragic. I, you know, I'm sorry it ended that way. And... I just, I don't know. I thought it was an odd choice not to touch on that. Especially when they were doing the other kind of adult type of issues, you know? Like, they, they well, with the infidelity and then with, like, where, where she got a rash and stuff. Right. But then, you know, and with, there, I think there's a scene with Diane Fossey, like, looking at herself in the mirror and, like, making herself put on a happy face to go out and be yeah. at this party. Yeah, to, this, like, fake it. At this conference. Basically. Great Apes conference. You had to fake it. And it's like, those are adult issues. And so, like, mentioning her murder, I, I don't see why that was out of bounds. Yeah, I don't really understand that either. I did, that said, I drink. They did really, <laughs> really enjoy this. It's a gigantic buy it. Uh, it would not surprise me to see this come up around, uh, again, around Eisner time next year. This is a beautiful book really informative after i i finished it i'm going to give it to lydia my niece to read next because i was telling her about it and she got super excited and i there's some adult stuff but she is 11 years old she's old enough to handle it i think pick up on this stuff i would highly suggest this for well any reader but also any sort of preteen to teen girl throw this at them great great stuff here buy it from me i have to agree with you um i thought it was really great read i'm really happy to have had the opportunity to read it and i'm going to be passing it on myself as well i think my wife will really love it as an animal lover and as uh you know like you said it's a great example of three strong women yeah uh going out and like none of them were none of them were educated or had experience no they weren't scientists period anyways I'm getting off the track there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I give it a big buy it to go out there and pick it up. Yes. And another great example of a comic that you might look over. That you might just be like, yeah, oh, I don't need right. to read this. It's I saw be- it too and just kind of was like, oh. Yeah, like, uh, do I really need to read about these girls? I know a lot. You do. Read this. Fantastic stuff. Be sure to tell us what you thought of Primates, and if there's a graphic novel new or old you'd like to hear the two-headed nerd review, send us an email with the subject line, take a look. Next month, Matt and Joe will be reading Camelot 3000, as we mentioned before in the Sanctum Sanctorum. That is unless Yo doesn't come home, then batter up, Willie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> sort of break it, break it down like this.
And that is it for the Vampy Buddy Team-Up episode of THN. If you've recently been dumped by your life partner and have a new friend that's even more fun to talk comics with, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, where you can take the THN blood oath by leaving us a star rating and written review or a Stitcher thumbs up that will help us connect with other potential listeners. Thanks to our most recent donor, Brian DuPont, creator of Picos Bill, with variant covers by our very own Joey P. Yeah. Joe Patrick. And if you'd like to help us get Detroit back on its feet with the new RoboCop Museum. It's going to bring tourist money in like nobody's business. You can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed at TwoHeadedNerd, our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, our YouTube channel, THN Comicast, our Skype handle, TwoHeadedNerd, and... Get excited here. Our new direct phone number that is 402-819-4894. Let me premise this by telling you when you call that, you're gonna get a voicemail message. So please tell us the reason you are calling on the voicemail. <laughs> Otherwise, you just kind of start ranting and raving, and I have to go, wait a minute, what is this dude mad about? Oh, he's mad about the answer of the week. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Also, you can suggest that we review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, whatever. And don't forget to check out all of the new content from the THN Love Slaves over at TwoHeadedNerd.com, including ludicrous speed rounds by the angry and sometimes confused Aaron Myers. We do love him, though. And he is still the king of Ascot. Yeah. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. And if you want to hear our answers, along with your own written and audio responses, be sure to check out the TwoHeadedNerd.com web-exclusive audio blog, The Answer of the Week. Next week, we'll be recapping all of the San Diego news with our man on the scene, Mr. Dainty Joe Patrick. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Brian K. Vaughn, who not only brought home the best new series Eisner for Saga, but he won Best Writer, too. Word to you, Mr. Period, and... This is the last time I yell at you nerds for not reading Saga. Pick it up, you jerks. Remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. How about that Willie Toots, folks? Oh, man. Put your hands was, together. I had a lot of fun. Stepped it in was... at the last minute, did a great job. Way oh, to go. Oh, man. I feel special. <laughs> those That yellow lotus. <laughs> it's got you. It really got me now. You're the two-headed nerd.